0: you'd please stand, take your hymnals, and turn to hymn number 335. Hymn number 335, we'll sing all three verses of Love Lifted Me. Join me on that first
1: verse. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. All my heart to Him I give, ever to Him I'll cling. In His blessed presence live, ever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, merits my soul's best songs. Faithful loving service to to Him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger, look above. Jesus completely saves. He will lift by his love out of the angry waves he's the master of the sea billows his will obey he your savior wants to be be saved today love lift and me love lift and me when nothing else could help
2: Glad he loves us tonight. Amen. Well, sure thankful to be back in the Lord's house. Good to see a great group out uh, tonight. So let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer, and then we'll uh, get right uh, to it uh, tonight. I'm going to ask Brother Joe Quinlan if you'd open us in a word of prayer tonight, brother. Amen. will not you be seated uh, tonight? Did just want to mention a few things. Uh, of course, we had our uh, calendars, or I'm sorry, our bulletins come out uh, for January, and it has quite a few things uh, in there. But just wanted to mention, uh, of course, if you have kids in Faith Baptist School, don't forget about school does start back. Uh, tomorrow, And so looking forward uh, to that. And by the way, I do appreciate uh, the uh, men uh, and young men as well that helped out uh, this morning uh, over with the fellowship hall and kind of getting things situated and cleaned up uh, so that we can get back at it tomorrow. And so do, uh, do uh, make sure that you're aware of that if you have kids in the school. And then also this coming Friday, January the 6th, is actually going to start our volleyball and basketball games, and that's going to be at Heritage Baptist Church over in Lawrence, Kansas, and that'll be at 6 p.m. Next Sunday be a teen uh, activity, and so if you're in the youth department, make sure you're aware of that. And then, of course, January the 10th through the 12th be the Church Planners Conference there at Heartland Baptist uh, Bible College in Oklahoma City. So that Wednesday, January the 11th, Brother Tim Quinlan is going to be preaching, and so be in your place Uh, for that. And then a couple of Sundays from now, January the 15th, is going to be uh, in the evening service a special send-off service for our missionaries to Japan, Brother Jack Uh, Miss Lizzie Parker, and and good to have them here uh, tonight, mentioned, and we prayed for them this morning as they were there at First Baptist Church uh, in Mission, Kansas, and so, uh, but I did just want to remind you of that. Uh, We'll certainly be uh, having a time of prayer uh, for them, and then right after the service that eve, that January the 15th, I'll be having a fellowship. I, I got in my notes over in the fellowship hall. I don't know where it'll be. All right. It might be the fellowship hall. It might be the gymnasium. Uh, It might be the parking lot. I don't know, depending on how cold it is, right? But we'll figure uh, something out. But did just want to ask if uh, we could make sure to bring some finger foods uh, that night, maybe some gift cards and things like that. We could be a blessing uh, to the Parkers as they head out. And then there are several other things coming up in the month of uh, January, uh, and so be aware of those things. And then, of course, in February, we have our couples retreat, our Midwest couples retreat, and so we'll be getting the information out on that uh, just as soon as possible. But, boy, sure enjoyed this morning, amen, and looking forward to tonight and uh, getting back in the life of Joshua. I did just also want to mention, don't forget about the Bible reading calendars. We have some of those back there still available, and then also the little bookmarkers that has our theme for this year, uh, loving people preaching Christ and has all of our kind of main uh, things that we do here, main activities that are coming up here uh, this year in 2023. Okay, Brother Tim, come on ahead tonight.
0: All right, stand with me once again. Turn to hymn number 298. Hymn number 298, Heaven Came Down and Glory Filled My Soul. We'll sing all three verses there.
1: Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day, day I will never forget. After I'd wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend, he met the need of my heart shadows dispelling, with joy I am telling, He made all the darkness depart. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away, and my night was turned to day heaven came down and glory filled my soul born of the spirit with life from above into God's family divine justified fully through Calvary's love oh what a standing is mine And the transaction so quickly was made when as a sinner I came. Took of the offer of grace, he did proffer, he saved me, oh, praise his dear name. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul, when at the cross the Savior made me whole my sins were washed away and my night was turned to day heaven came down and glory filled my soul now i have a hope that will surely endure after the passing of time i have a future in heaven for sure there in those mansions sublime And it's because of that wonderful day When at the cross I believe Rich is eternal and blessings supernal His precious hand I receive Heaven came down and glory filled my soul When at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul.
0: Amen. Brother CJ, would you please pray for the offering this evening? Stand one more time with me. We'll turn to hymn number 317. Hymn number 317, we'll sing all three verses of victory in
1: Jesus. I heard an old, old story how a savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary. To save a wretch like me I heard about his groaning Of his precious blood's atoning Then I repented of my sin And won the victory Oh, victory in Jesus My Savior forever Me with his redeeming blood, he loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing. Of his cleansing power revealing How he made the lame to walk again And caused the blind to see Dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit And somehow Jesus came and brought to me The victory cleansing flood I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory and I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea about the angels singing and the old redemption story and some sweet I'll sing up there the song of victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me every day. And all my love is due Him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing
0: flood. Amen. If you would please remain standing and get your Bibles out for the message.
2: Joshua chapter number 10 tonight. Uh, The book of Joshua in chapter uh, number 10. And man, excited to get back into the life of Joshua, I think I'm just excited to get back into routine amen and uh you uh, you and I both know we are creatures of habit, amen, and so uh Joshua chapter uh, number ten, but I do really enjoy uh going through and and studying uh the life of uh, of Joshua. It's just a, a real blessing Joshua chapter number ten tonight I'm going to begin reading in verse uh number one okay and i I realize it's been a while. Uh, since we, we've been in, in this uh, study, okay, so if you, if you remember uh, the last time we were here, we saw what I would say is the great mistake that, that Joshua and Israel uh, made after uh, the defeat of Ai. All the kings of the south, they started getting together and scheming on what they were going to do against the people of God. And uh, But the people of Gideon had a better idea. They, they basically, and I like how chapter 9 and verse 4 puts it, they, they worked widely. In other words, they went uh, to Joshua and deceived him uh, and the people of Israel. They made themselves appear as if they had come from a far country and they tricked Israel into making a, an agreement, a covenant of peace, Uh, with them, and and what I would say to you is this, is it really gave us a great picture on uh, making a deal with the devil, all right, because that's the way the devil works. He is a deceiver and and all of those things, And, and so what I'm saying to you tonight is this, don't fall for his deception. Don't do that, friend. It comes with a great cost, and you can see that in the relationship with Israel And Gideon, whether it be in what we're going to look at tonight or even down uh, the road under the reign of Saul and David and all of those things, but let's look at chapter number 10 tonight because this brings us back now to the rest of those uh, kings of the south, they're still scheming on what to do. And so it says, now it came to pass when Adonai king of Jerusalem, had heard how Joshua, "...had taken Ai, and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and her king, so he had done to Ai and her king, and now the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel, and were among them, that they feared greatly, because Gibeon was a great city, as one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all the men thereof were mighty, wherefore... And king of Jerusalem, sent unto Hoham, king of Hebron. That's a great name, isn't it? Hoham. That's awesome. Amen. I'm, just not, I'm not saying if you have any sons, name them Hoham. I'm just saying Ham would be fine. Ham bone, all right, but not Hoham. All right, Hoham, king of Hebron. But notice the other ones here. And unto Piram, king of uh, Jarmuth, and unto uh, Jephiah, king of Lachish, and unto Deber, king of Eglon, saying... Come unto me, and help me, that we may smite Gibeon, for it hath made, it hath made peace uh, with Joshua, and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered themselves together, and went up, they and all their hosts, and encamped before Gibeon, and made war. Uh, against it, and so here's here's what they do. They say this. Listen, we're 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 not going to be able to take these people on just one at a time by ourselves. Let's all come together, and we're going to go against Gibeon. We're going to start a fight, and uh, we're going to take on Joshua and, and Israel. And it's what I would call tonight the alignment. All right, the alignment of the southern kings. Okay, and so this is what we're going to look at uh, tonight. But in fact, I'd say this, I, I would say that really what we find here is another, another picture, if you will, of the New Testament victorious life. And what I mean by that is this, is that this really shows us some more aspects about how our enemy works against us in the New Testament, the devil. So here's, here's what I would say to you tonight. If I were to subtitle it, I would say this. This is what I would call the tactics of the enemy. All right? And here's here's the idea. One of the best ways to get victory in your life is to understand how the devil's working against you. It really is. And we're going to see some of those things tonight. I'm telling you, if you're a note taker and you're a word studier, you might want to be sitting down with your pen ready tonight. Pretty good stuff here. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Pray that you're blessed now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated uh, tonight. I actually wrote in my message last night uh, about the college football games and how crazy they were yesterday. And I came in this morning and Brother Parker, Brother Steve Parker looked at me and said, man, them games were crazy last night. I was like, man, he's been reading my message. But they were, man. And I'm telling you, both of the... The, the playoff games and stuff, and I listen, I, I love uh, sports and football and those kind of things, and watching that, but I, I really enjoyed that TCU, Michigan game. I really enjoyed both games because the Big Ten lost both of them, amen. Uh, but anyways, I, as I was watching that game, that, that TCU and Michigan game, I noticed uh, that they had they had one very key play that they used uh, to get short yardage plays. This was uh, TCU. And what they did was, is that their quarterback came down uh, behind the center and uh, was getting ready to hike the ball. And then their receiver over here uh, would begin to come in motion. And he would come and he would stop and get right behind uh, the quarterback. So you had the quarterback, then you had the receiver, then you had the running back back here. And what would happen is, is the center would hike the ball to the quarterback and the receiver and the running back would run up behind the quarterback and they would just push the whole pile of guys and they would get about one or two yards every time. And be a fact, they even got up to the goal line at one time and done the same thing and they ended up scoring a touchdown. Well, what happened was, is that finally in the fourth quarter, Michigan figured it out. And so there was another short yardage play and sure enough I mean you you had the quarterback he came up behind the center the announcer starts going "Uh, I think I know what's going to happen here I'm sitting on the couch going I think I know what's going to happen here and evidently Michigan's defensive coordinator said I think I know what's going to happen here And sure enough, the wide receiver starts coming in motion and gets right here, and the running back's right there. And so Michigan had all of their defensive linemen, and they brought all three linebackers and just shoved them right here. And you know what happened? Here's what happened. Nothing. TCU went, okay, this ain't going to work, and they stopped. And they said, all right, we got to punt the ball. Well, what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this. Why don't we get the same understanding about how our enemy works? Well, what, what, what do you mean? Well why? well, why? So here's the thing. So that we can stop, we, we, we can put a stop to Him bringing defeat in our lives and, and to start having victory. And that's really, that's really what our text is, is about uh, tonight. What, what I want to say to you tonight is this, is that the tactics of the enemy, they have not changed. Well, come on, friend, listen, they, they might have put another name on them. All right, But you understand, he still, listen, I love, again, I love the way it says it over in, in chapter 9 and verse 4. He still works wildly. He still uses deception and uses other things to try to bring defeat uh, in our lives. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that we've got to learn as God's people to understand those things and to recognize when he is at work in our life and how he is at work in our life. If we're ever going to have victory as a child of God. I want you to notice tonight the first thing here. And really I just have a couple of things that I want to point out. Though it will take a little bit of time here. But the the first thing that I want us to notice tonight is really what causes this alignment uh, to come together with all of these kings here. And so notice... In verse number 3, it says, Wherefore, all right? And that's a great word to kind of underline because it's wherefore and therefore and all of those things are there for a reason, all right? And so what it's beginning to talk about is an king of Jerusalem, getting together with the other four kings in the south and coming together. But the wherefore that begins in verse 3 and begins to tell of this alignment, it's actually pointing back all right, to verses one and two, and it's telling us why all of all of these uh, kings and their and their armies are, are coming together, uh, and that's found in verses one and two. So let's look at that tonight. It says, "Now it came to pass when Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, had heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and her king, so he had done." To AI and her king, and how the inhabitants of Gideon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they feared greatly, because Gibeon was a great city, one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than AI, and all the men thereof were mighty. And then again, it says, "Wherefore Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, he gets all of these kings together? So basically there's two causes for this alignment to take place. One of those is Joshua's victory over Jericho and Ai, and the other one is the agreement that, that Israel made with Gibeon. These things, now watch this, these two things show us, all right, who the devil is going to come after, but also when he has a tendency to come after us. Okay, so, so okay, well, what is that? Well, look, let me give you... Let me, let me give you the first cause. It's Joshua's fame. But by now, you know, news has spread that Joshua and the children of Israel had, had defeated Jericho and Ai, and they were obviously having the good success. God promised them, right, in chapter number 1. And we know this tonight. They didn't have CNN and Fox News or Facebook. Oh. All right, they, they didn't have that to tell all of them, but we would understand tonight that word spread by word of mouth. All right, and you, you and I know this that news travels about just as fast in our day and time, just by gossip. And, and so that's that's uh, what's happened here. So, but 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 here's but now watch this. Here's here's the point. Joshua shows us now. Watch, catch this: that any time you begin to do a work for God you now become a target for the devil. Yeah, right. Did you catch that? Listen, you, you don't believe me, then just ask Nehemiah. Well, yeah. oh, come on, friend. Just ask Nehemiah when he got a burden to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls and the adversity that came his way. Just ask uh, Ezra and, and, and uh, when they went back to build the temple and the, and the adversity that came. Listen, what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that the work of God is not going to happen without the adversity of the enemies of God. And you've got to understand something, that in the New Testament, it's not any different, friend. It's still the same way. Now the question then follows, okay, wait a minute now, so, so if we begin to do a work of God, the devil's going to come after us, and so, well, then why do a work for God then? Well, to which I would ask, why not? And here's why I would ask that. Read the end of the story here. And what you're going to find is this, is that the sun will stand still, God will rain hailstones from heaven, and God will win a great victory here. If you want to see, listen to this, if you want to see God work in and through your life, then you must first submit yourself to do the work of God. And when you do, please note, greater greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And may be a fact, if you're not involved, listen to this, if you're not involved in the work for God, you, 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 listen, you, you don't have a target on your back. I don't know. I'm not trying to be mean or anything like that. I'm just saying this. That's because the devil's already got you right where he wants you. You're doing nothing for God. Friend, I'm telling you, that's exactly where He wants you to be. But if you decide to do something for God, you, you mark it down, friend. He's going to come after you. And uh, listen, and, and folks, when are, when are we going to realize that, that, that if you are saved, l- listen, praise God, He cannot get your soul. Come on, that's, that's sealed into the day of redemption. Somebody say amen. Come on, friend, praise God. Once you are saved... And in the family of God, that is never going to change. But at the same time, you need to understand that the devil still going to come after you as a child of God because he knows this. If he can ruin your testimony, boy, he can sure have a powerful influence on those around you. You, listen, you need to understand this tonight. Don't ever get the idea or the mindset that, hey, I'm, it's just me and it's not going to bother anybody else. If I mess up or I blow it or I get away from God. No, 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 my friend. You're not on an island to yourself. There are people around you watching you and need you to be the light of the world unto them and to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ and to witness to them and to have a testimony that backs it up. Somebody say amen tonight. And I'm just saying to you, friend, listen, if, if the, devil, the devil knows this, that if he can get you defeated and given up on the things of God and getting away from the things of God, then not only is he ruining your life, but he's also ruining those around you that you could have an influence on. He is keeping them in the darkness that they are in when they need the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, you understand, I have seen kids ruined because parents got defeated in the things of God. And by the way, I've seen church members negatively affected when pastors or or other families in the house of God are defeated in the things of God. Friend, I'm telling you tonight, if you're involved in the work of God, the devil is coming after you. He's coming after you. That's why when I, you know, we have these young men that surrender to preach and praise God for that. But I'm telling you, one of the things that they have to look forward to when they surrender is that they're going to meet with the preacher in the office. Amen. And I'm going to sit them down and I'm going to talk to them. And I listen, and here's the first thing, and you can ask any of these men that have surrendered, this is the first thing, one of the first things I tell them, is that you need to understand you now have a target on your back. The devil is going to come after you. And He's going to try to ruin you. And He's going to come after you with the opposite sex. And He's going to come after you with pornography. And He's going to come after you with materialism and idolatry. Well, why? Because He wants to ruin you. He wants to get you away from doing what God wants in your life. That's what He wants. And it does, Listen, and it's no different. Listen, I, I'm telling you right now, as, as a preacher, sure, there's... There's a tremendous responsibility that comes with pastoring and and those kind of things. But if you're a mom and dad, you got a tremendous responsibility. If you're a grandma or a grandpa, you got a tremendous responsibility. Now, come on, friend. If you're a Sunday school teacher or a youth worker or a bus worker or whatever the case may be, you're watching those kids in the nursery. My friend, don't forget they're watching you. And you have a responsibility to be faithful. And I'm just telling you, friend, listen, I am so sick and tired of watching men of God be exalted to a place of great responsibility and great influence. And the next thing you know, you hear some great wickedness take place in their life. So-and-so got involved in pornography and they're not in the ministry anymore. So-and-so had an affair and they're not in the ministry anymore. So-and-so embezzled a bunch of money from the church and they're not in the ministry anymore. Friend, listen to me tonight. I'm telling you, we have an enemy. We have an enemy. And when you are serving God, He is coming after you just like He wanted to come after Joshua right here. Always think about, man, what if Joshua... What if Joshua would have given up, said, oh man, they're all coming together against me. We might as well throw in the towel. Or what if Joshua would have got discouraged in fear, just quit, or all those things. Listen, the impact, the negative impact that he would have had on Israel and those around him, the work of God would have stopped. But praise God, he trusted God and went into battle here. And he's going to win a great victory for God. And I'm just saying to you tonight, friend, as a child of God, you and I can still have victory in our day and time. And we look at all these things going on around us and all the wickedness and the things that even some of God's people are getting involved in. And we get discouraged and we get, man, we get, dis, uh, we just, we get all in a mess and in a tizzy and want to throw in a towel. My friend, what we need in our day and time is a few more Joshuas to rise up and say, I'm going to serve God with all my soul and all my heart and all my mind. Amen. Not only that, but listen, it, it wasn't just Joshua's fame. That would trigger all of this. I mean, you keep reading here, and not only does it talk about the victory at Ai and the victory at Jericho and over their kings, but it was also, it was also his failure with Gibeon. Think about it, friend. It goes on and talks about now and now and how the inhabitants of Gibeon at the verse at the end of verse number one, they'd now made peace with Israel and were among them. Now, let me just say this tonight in defense of Gibeon. Okay? Though they did deceive Joshua and Israel, they did join the winning side. You ever think about that? I, I just thought, man, there's just kind of a small, small little lesson right here to say this. They may have made all their former friends mad, but I'd rather leave all my worldly friends behind for the things of God. Amen. And that's really, in essence, that's what that's what Gibeon did. But but at the same time, listen, it would be this it would be this agreement that would also motivate this alignment of the southern kings. And I, listen, I, we could sit here and speculate all night and be silly like you know, some could ten, certainly have a tendency to do. And I, I, don't, I don't know, alright? I, I don't know if things would have been handled differently. And, and when they came, when Gibeon came to Joshua and to Israel... And, and if Joshua would have said, hang on, fellas, we're, we're about to jump into this agreement here and we haven't even talked to God. Let's, let's go pray and talk with God. And then God said, listen, they're, they're trying to deceive you, destroy them. And they would have come back from meeting with God, realized what was going on, wiped them all out. And, and, and I, listen, I, I don't know if that would have changed uh, the alignment of the kings coming together because we know this, if you go back to chapter number 9, all right. And you look at, at what's going on there and read verses one, uh, read verse number one there chapter nine. It tells you that, that th- these southern kingdoms and, and their rulers and their kings, they were already coming together. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know that it would have, if I could say it like this, I don't know if it would have changed the alignment of the kings. All right. But what I do know. All right, what I do know is this is that Gibeon becomes a liability. for Joshua and Israel in this, in this text, because if you look at verse number four, it says, "Come unto me and help me that we may smite Gibeon, for it hath made peace with Joshua." And with the children of Israel. And notice down in verse number six, because it's going to say, or it says this, and when the men of Gideon sent and the men of Gideon sent unto Joshua to the camp to Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants, come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. So so here's the thing. what, what I'm trying to say to you tonight is this: that the this alignment of the kings that it, 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 it will attack Gibeon, basically what they are doing is they are forcing Joshua and Israel to fight on their terms rather than Joshua and Israel uh, letting God dictate the terms. Does that make sense? And, 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 but, here's, but here's the thing. This is what I love. Praise God, it doesn't really matter. God's going to overcome all of it. That's pretty awesome when you think about the failure that was made there. But, but again, could, couldn't we say this tonight? <clears throat> it, it also shows us when the, when the enemy has a tendency to attack. It's right after a failure. Now listen, I, I love saltwater fishing. I could, we could we'd just spend the rest of this evening tonight talking about fishing. I love it, man. And we go down to, you know, to Florida and be with family in the summertime. And that's the first thing I do. I mean, we go, to, we go straight. We get there. We go straight to Peg Leg Pete's and eat seafood, about all we can stand. And then we have to go to Academy Sports so that I can get my saltwater fishing license because that's what my whole vacation is going to be about. It's going to revolve around being on the beach, having a pole in the sand, and a line in the water. Amen. Now, listen, I, and I love it. And I, I, we've caught some, you know, pretty decent fish from there—some redfish and some pompano, and, and uh, some permit and different things like that—and just had a, had a great time. There's these little bluefish you can catch, and they're really just kind of trash fish to me. And and so they're just little little fellows there, and you can you can catch them. And what, what, I, what I do with them is we reel them in, you know, and bring them in. And, and I'll take them up and I'll put them on my tackle box or something like that. And I'll cut them up into pieces. And have these, you know, just this piece of raw fish and blood and bleeding and just have it right. Oh, son. Mm. And put it on a hook. Because I want to catch something bigger. And the next thing you know, you might hook a little shark. Stingray. Boy, those are fun to get off the hook. God, what's that tail. What's that? But here's here's what I'm saying. Do you know, do you know why you you know you, you tend to catch something bigger like a shark or something like that? Here's why. Because they smell blood in the water. They think, oh, something's dead or something's dying. That's easy prey. Do you you get you getting the illustration here? Because what, what I'm saying to you tonight is this that's that's a that's exactly what's going on here. That's exactly exactly how the enemy works today. He's waiting on you to mess up. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to blow it. He's waiting on you. You you know that besetting sin that you struggle with? He's waiting on you to give in and mess up. And then here's what's going to happen. He's going to smell blood in the water. And He's going to come after you with discouragement and he's going to come after you with all kinds of foolish thinking and all kinds of warfare and temptations. Does anybody get what I'm saying? Because yeah. he smells blood in the water, friend, and he's looking to ruin you, and he's looking to get you defeated and 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 discouraged and wayward from the things of God. I'm just telling you that's that's exactly that's exactly how he works. And and I, listen, he smells that blood in the water and, and, comes, and comes after you and, and me. And I listen, <clears throat> you give in to his deception like Joshua did. And he'll come after you. And he'll come after you with a host of things just like right here. And the next thing you know, you're, you're discouraged and you're backslidden, you're in rebellion. Nobody can help you in spiritual things. But this is, this is what I love. And again, let me, let me remind you of the character of God that's going to happen and in, in, in that we're going to see unfold in, in this scene and the messages uh, uh, to come. Because though, though Joshua, listen to this, though Joshua failed and was deceived by the Gibeonites, God didn't desert him. Just like He doesn't desert us. In fact, He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Somebody say amen tonight. And I listen, I, and, and even when we fail, friend, even when we fail, I, I, love, I love the the, the, the theme that, that begins to take place here. Look, look at verse number eight. And the Lord, and the Lord said unto Joshua, fear them not. <laughs> Oh, come on, friend, read the book of Joshua over and over again. Fear not, fear not, fear not. Friend, God's with Joshua, just like God is with you and me. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that you can blow it and the enemy can come after you, but you need to understand that God doesn't leave you nor forsake you, and you can come to Him and be forgiven of Him and get back in the saddle and keep fighting and have victory in your life. No doubt about it. But you need to know, when you strike out and do a work for God, He's coming after you. If you fail and mess up, He's coming after you. And be a fact, what you begin to see unfold in this scene is a lot of the ways and really the pattern of how things begin to unfold when He does come after you. Look look at verses 3 through 5 of our text there in Joshua 10. It says, Wherefore, Adonai, king of Jerusalem, Send unto Hoham, king of Hebron, and, and, and unto Piram, king of Jarmuth, and unto Jep, uh, Jephiah, king of Lachish, and unto Deber, the uh, king of Eglon, saying, Come up unto me, and help me that we may smite Gideon. Okay, and, and, and so that's what they're going to do. And then it begins to list all the five kings there once again in verse number 5. But what I want you to see is not only the cause of this alignment here, but how, it's all, how all of these are, are connected T- together, because I, it, what, what happens is this is that when you begin to study all of the, all of the names of these cities and, and what they represent, what, what you begin to find is this is that they're all intertwined and, and connected together, and, and really they give us a picture of how of how the enemy works and the things that that we begin to fall into as we give in and, and we begin to live. A defeated life let me let me just show you some things tonight just just quickly no, number one there, you have in verse number five or, or even uh, verse number three there you have kind of the the ring leader, if you will, Adonizedek, all right king of of Jerusalem now this is obviously the the this city right here, Jerusalem, we would say this very familiar, right Be in fact, I would say this that that, and we know this, there, there are great things in, in store uh, for this city, such as the kings of Israel. I think of David, who, who, uh, who would conquer the city and, and brought it under Israel's control. So it was called, uh, one of the nicknames for it was the city uh, of David. But more importantly, we know this, it's also where the temple of God will be. What a blessing that is. All right but but here you have got to understand this right now it is not the holy city that it's known for all right what we would know it for uh today uh I, and I don't know if you know this but the first time the first time the name Jerusalem th- this is the first time the name Jerusalem appears in the scriptures it's pretty interesting to know but the city all right the actual city is 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 first seen in Genesis 14 in in verse number 18 and there, it's known as the city of Salem. Salem means peace. Be, be in fact, you might recognize the king back then. His name was Melchizedek. If you don't, you don't recognize that. All right, it's it's you know you go to the city or the book of Hebrews, excuse me, and it's Melchizedek is a type of uh, of Christ. All right, and, and and really this is interesting in similarity with Joshua's battle. Abraham went to battle against an alliance of kings that had taken Lot captive, and God gave Abraham the victory, and then Abraham would give a tithe unto Melchizedek. Pretty awesome. Salem. Means peace. But that was back in Genesis. The word for Jerusalem right here, it literally means this. It means Listen to this. It means founded, peaceful. But Jerusalem is no longer a city of peace. Right, right, right here, it's an enemy of God. Yep. Is everybody getting this? So, so what, what, what once was a city that Abraham, the friend of God, gave tithe to its king was now, listen to this, a backslidden city. That had become an enemy of God. So, what are you getting at, preacher? Well, here's what I would say to you tonight: Adonizedek is the king of the backsliders. Yeah. You know, backslidden. We use that term a lot, but I don't think we realize what it means. If you study the book of Jeremiah, you'll find out. Backslidden it comes from the idea of a donkey or an ox sliding backwards off the road and into the ditch. And it's stuck in the muck and in the mire. Jeremiah uses this term when dealing with Jerusalem and Judah just before the captivity because they too had cycled back to being an enemy of God when they used to be at peace with God. Huh? Listen, when we are attempting to do the work of God and we fail, this is where the enemy wants to take you. He wants to take you off the path God has you on. He wants to put you back in the muck and mire of the old life. He wants to get you away from the Bible. To get you away from the prayer closet. Is anybody getting this tonight? He wants to get you out of church and away from the things of God. Is anybody catching this tonight? He wants you to be backslidden and and, and away from God. In fact, here's the next one. All right, So let's keep going. Because then you have Hoham, king of Hebron. And so, this second king here, this, in, in his city, Hebron, again, it's one of those familiar cities to those of us who study our Bibles. Hebron is where Abraham and his family spent much of their time. Isaac resided in Hebron. It's where Sarah, Abraham's wife, and, and Abraham were buried. Abraham built an altar to the Lord there after he and Lot parted ways. Here in Joshua, the word for Hebron means confederation or fellowship. What was once a place where Abraham and his family would fellowship with God was now a place where there was fellowship with the world. So Hebron here uh, really it's it's the idea, or Hoham rather, he's the king of the worldly. And again, this is where the enemy wants to take us. He wants to get us backslidden and away from God. And our lives filled up with the worldly. And how sad it is to watch people follow this pattern. They fail. Then they get distant from God and backslidden. And then their life becomes about temporal pursuits. Money. Career entertainments and so on. And what was once a life filled with the work of God becomes a life filled with the things of this world. Oh, come on, friend. Don't let me sit here tonight and talk about the people that used to be in Faith Baptist Church, but they're no longer here. Well, why? Because they're following after this pattern right here. And what's interesting to note... Is that the city of Hebron will also be tied to King David. David will reign, will first reign as king for seven years in the city of Hebron. It just goes to show us that our lives don't have to follow the pattern of the enemy. Come on, friend, are y'all awake tonight? You understand, it doesn't have to be a fact. It, shows, it even shows us right here. Please listen to this. That if we're backslidden and we're worldly, you can get right with God tonight and be restored unto Him. Hebron did. And so can you. In fact, notice the next one here. You have Piram, king of Jarmath. And not much is said about the city of Jarmath throughout the Scripture. The name, this name of the city, it means this, Elevation. It represents those who are self-righteous. So Pyram would be the king of the self-righteous. Now again, now come on, friend. Now watch this, watch this. Watch the pattern here. Watch the pattern. You have backslidden. Everybody catching this? You get into the things of the world. And then all of a sudden you get this critical spirit. Oh, there they go again. Trying to get me to come back to church. Oh yeah, they're just trying to—they're just trying to lure me in, and I don't need you to pray for me. Don't start telling me what the Bible says. Oh, my favorite. Don't judge me. Well, aren't you judging me that I'm judging you? And really, we're just trying to love on them, help them get back to the things of God and the goodness of God. And the grace. Is anybody getting this tonight? You, you understand, do you not see the pattern here? That people get away from God and they, and they backslide and then, man, the next thing you know, they're, they're, they're all out there in the world and we're just saying, hey, brother, love you and just care about you, I want you to come back. Well, I, you know, I just, I don't, I don't really need, I'm, I'm just, I'm fine. And just have this critical spirit, this self-righteous attitude You know, all the people in that church are just a bunch of hypocrites. Really? You are too. Why don't you come? Hang out with the rest of us hypocrites. I mean, you going to stop going to Walmart because we go to Walmart too? I'm just giving you all kinds of things to fire back. Look at the next thing here. Let's keep going here. Jephiah, king of Lachish. Lachish is a city that... Well, it fits well to its name because he, you know, even after it becomes part of Israel, the city of Lachish was one of the last strongholds that went against Babylon as it finally took uh, Jerusalem captive. The word, Lake, the word Lachish, it literally means this. It means obstinate. That's a nice word for stubborn. Rebellious. Jephiah was king of the rebellious. Remember our pattern? Backslidden, worldly, self-righteous, critical spirit. Watch this. And the critical spirit develops quickly into a spirit of bitterness. Rebellion. I don't need you telling me what to do. Study the life of King Saul. Follows the same pattern. He follows the same pattern, friend. He starts thinking highly of himself and he backslides away from God. He begins to become very carnal and very worldly and then he becomes very insecure and critical of David. And the next thing you know, he's in full-blown rebellion and God God tells Samuel to go tell Saul to go wipe out all the Amalekites and their kings and Saul does what he wants to do. And Samuel comes to him and rebukes him and says, God's rejected you as king, and he's going to to anoint another in your place. And he said this about his rebellion. He said this. It says, the sin of witchcraft. Now I don't listen, I don't know about you. But when I think about witchcraft, I I think that is some of the most I mean that's that is devilish and demonic. But do you understand, and I, that just, I mean, you, you see some of the stuff that goes on in our day and time, and I, you know, and it just, it freaks me out, man. It gets what I would call the hibby-jibbies, you know what I'm saying? It just, well, oh, that's gross. It's demonic. Right. That, that's witchcraft. Now, Now, watch this. The reason God compares rebellion to witchcraft is because what He's saying is this, is that He feels the same way when man has it in his heart to rebel against the things of God. It's how wicked it is. And then lastly, you have Deborah, king of Eglon. Now, over in the book of Judges, you'll find the king of Moab named Eglon. Not to be confused there, the Bible says he was a very fat man. And I like it because Eglon is stabbed by Ehud, who was is left-handed. So, that's what I call when lefty stabbed hefty. Amen. Got a message on that in the book of Judges. That's a great message right there. Amen. Lefty stabbed hefty. That'll preach. Mm-hmm. Lost his knife in there, man. His old timer went in and never came out. You know, his buck knife, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but here, but he, but Eglon. All right, it was also a city that was aligned here against Joshua and Israel. And the word for the city of Eglon it, it literally means this. It means. It means vitiline, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but if, you don't, if you're like me, you don't know what vitiline means, but basically it means this, belonging to a calf. Eglon represents idolatry. And Debra was king of the idol worshipers, and this is ultimately, listen to this, this is ultimately where the enemy wants to take us, where we worship something or someone else. Besides our God. And don't, don't, don't be so foolish to sit here tonight and go, well, you know, preacher, I mean, that's not, we don't have idols. That's those little stone carvings and wood things that people bow down to and worship in foreign countries and cultures. And we, we, we don't do that here in America. You could have turned on the TV today and watched a bunch of idolatry in an arena over there in Kansas City, Missouri. People going in there with their faces painted all kinds of crazy colors and dressed up. and Listen, I, Don't get me wrong, friend. I love sports as much as anybody, but I'm telling you, friend, it, 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 it can be idolatry. You understand, an idol is anything that we place ahead of God. It doesn't have to be a false god made out of wood or stone. It can be anything. Listen to this. It can be a good thing. I've seen people make idols out of their children. And all of a sudden, their children dictate every spiritual decision or direction in their home when really God ought to be doing that. I've seen people take things like entertainment and and, and listen, and, and make an idol out of it where, listen, it, it just becomes everything that they're consumed with, what they spend their money on, what they think about, what their mind is filled with and their heart. I've seen people, listen, I, I understand, you and I got to have money to live on. I, I realize that. I'm not ignorant of that. But I've also seen people make that the most important thing in their life, and that's what they live for. Or, or their job, or whatever the case may be. The point is this, friend, we, we do have an idolatry issue and the enemy listen I'm just telling you tonight this is the pattern that the enemy wants you to follow he he's going to come swarming after you when you surrender and submit and begin to be involved in the things of God he's going to wait for you to mess up and he's going to smell blood in the water And He's going to come after you. He's going to try to discourage you and get you away from the things of God and out of prayer and out of the Bible and distant from God and your fellowship into this place where you're just kind of going through the motions. And then the next thing you know, friend, you start dabbling into the world and getting into the world. And the next thing you know, you start getting this critical spirit about everything. You might even be sitting in here tonight and having a critical spirit. Well, that preacher, he just think, no, 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 I'm just trying to give you the Bible you got, you got an issue tonight. Take it up with God. But he wants you to take you from there to full-on rebellion, and then the next thing you know, you're completely away from the things of God, and you are exalting the things of the world and living for that, and, and you're worshiping those things rather than the God that saved you and bought you with his precious blood.. What a pattern. What a picture. Boy, I could sit here tonight and tell story after story after story of people that I've watched follow and do the exact same thing. But this is what I like about this story is the end of it. Because Joshua doesn't follow the pattern. Joshua says, I blew it, I blew it. I'm in a situation now where I've got to go and save Gibeon. But God comes and says, I've not left you. Fear them not. And Joshua banks on the word of God, goes into battle, and God's going to win a great victory. Do you know what that says to you and me tonight? That says this. We don't have to follow that pattern.
0: Amen.
2: We don't have to buy into the enemy tactics. We, we can know how he works, and we can know that God's for us and God's on our side, and you can have victory.
1: That's
2: where I, I want to be. I don't, I don't want to backslide. I want to draw nigh unto God. I don't want to get off into idolatry. Friend, I want God to be preeminent in my life. I don't want to have a critical, rebellious heart. I want to have a life full of joy. Amen. The joy of the Lord in my life. But you got to come to Him. And love him, and know that he hadn't left you, and he'll forgive you, and restore you, and still use you for his honor and his glory. Amen. What about it tonight? Let's all stand. Lord, thank you tonight. Thank you. For